pregnancy and postpartum questions. I'm your host, Monique Maitland, qualified midwife and nurse, founder of the Midi Society, and someone who is about to become your personal in-pocket midwife and virtual best friend. The Midi Society is a community-based platform where we interview leading healthcare professionals, new mummers, and everyday people who share with us their experiences and reveal what they wish they knew before becoming a parent. So buckle up for this crazy and exciting ride. I'll be talking all things tits, bits, spew and poo. Alright, let's get started. Today's episode is proudly brought to you by Training With Mates, your local supportive fitness community that strengthens health, performance and lifestyle goals through expert coaching, fun and mateship. Exercising whilst pregnant can be a little bit daunting, with most of us not knowing what we actually can and can't do. But with Training With Mates active mum classes, personalised programs and extensive knowledge about safe exercise in pregnancy, they can help you best navigate staying fit and healthy during pregnancy and in the postpartum period. In today's episode, I speak with Melbourne-based mama Alice Jones on her experience into motherhood. Alice is a midwife herself who has supported many women through a vaginal birth and has always envisioned that for herself. But throughout her own pregnancy, she developed a cardiac condition where her heart wouldn't be able to cope if she laboured naturally, leading to her being booked in for an elective caesarean. Alice talks us through some of the emotions she experienced when consenting to the C-section, as well as shares some strategies to best prepare for the day and tips to promote recovery. Alice went on to have another repeat elective caesarean 16 months later and discusses some of the challenges when caring for not only a newborn, but a toddler too. Please welcome Alice. Hi Alice and welcome to Midi the Podcast. It's so great to have you on the show today. Now, for those listening at home, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Hi everyone, my name's Alice. Um, I'm 31. I have two little girls at home now, a two-year-old and one-year-old. Their names are Indian Monty or Indiana and Montana. I also have my two golden retrievers, they definitely include in my family and my partner, Chris. <laughs> and uh, currently I work as a midwife um, and I also have just actually just literally started a little online business with baby stuff as well, just to add inserts and stuff, yeah, um, that I'm doing on the side. <laughs> Wow, I didn't know that. So uh, tell us a bit more about what you're doing with baby stuff. Oh, it was just so when I literally became a mum, I just found there were a few things that, well, a lot of products are really expensive. But the first thing I just had really bad engorgement after I had Indy. And I'd never heard of like a silicon breast pump before or a haka pump, is what I think it's more commonly known as as well. Um, and that absolutely saved my life. But I found it was quite expensive at some of the places. So anyway, I've just gone and found a few baby products that I found really useful as in just making my life as a mum a little bit easier and so, yeah, I've just kind of launched a website only really recently. It's, it's like a small little thing at the moment, but just as a bit of a side thing to my job. Oh, my goodness. Life. Yeah. And what is it What is it called? Oh, um, Mini Monty, we called it. So oh, for, named for after the girls. Yeah. So, oh. um, you didn't actually quite get a shout out in that because all the names are already taken. So it's just Mini Monty. 
I love it. I love it. And how old are Indy and Monty? So Indy is uh, two and a half now. Her birthday's in April um, and she'll be three then. And then Montana is one and a half-ish now. So you're a busy woman. Yes, it can be quite busy at home. It's enjoyable at most of the time, but yeah, very busy. <laughs> yeah. So Alice and I used to actually work together before I ventured off to um, another hospital and she went on maternity leave literally every single year. I swear <laughs> we were just saying at one point she was supposed to be my preceptor, but I think we worked one shift together before she went on maternity leave. So that didn't work out. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Alice is a beautiful mum of two cute little girls. Can you tell us a little bit about those pregnancies, a little snapshot about the both of them? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, my pregnancy with Indy, I actually, being the midwife I am, I had no idea I was pregnant until actually I found out I was 11 weeks and four days pregnant with Indy. I um, had absolutely no idea at all. And that was a bit of a shock at the time, but in a happy, a happy um but she yeah everything was actually obviously I had no idea I was pregnant so I had no pregnancy symptoms prior or anything and then I swear it hit 12 weeks and then I just started to get really really um really quite sick after that ended up having hyperemesis um I had really low iron and made a nine transfusion in that pregnancy as well and then um the weirdest part was that my heart rate <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know, a normal my normal heart rate would be probably around I reckon 70, 80 max. My heart rate in pregnancy went up to just the average being about 140 to 160. Um, so for whatever reason, my body was just really working over time. Um, I had to go and see like cardiologists and everything like that. It all ended up being absolutely bizarrely normal. They just thought that even when I was full term with Indy, I really didn't look, I don't know, I don't think I looked super pregnant. And they just said that the way I was carrying her was obviously just pushing back so hard. So yeah, it was a really hard pregnancy in the way that I just felt like I was constantly out of breath literally the whole mm. time. Couldn't like, literally was just so sick. It wasn't eating huge amounts. I actually ended up losing I think well quite a lot of weight in that pregnancy as well and then they just said to me um with that one that the yeah the best decision was to actually then go ahead and have to have a caesar for her purely because they were very worried about what my heart rate was going to do in labor yeah, in labor. So, yeah so that was my pregnancy with Indy. And then little Montana, um, she was another welcome surprise in our family. Again, I didn't know I was pregnant till just, I think I was almost 10 weeks with her. But that was quite a shock. I had a really massive, um, I had no idea I was pregnant and then had a really massive bleed to the point where my shoes were like filling up with blood and I was so worried. I had no idea what was happening. I genuinely, I was taking um, the mini pill and I just, it didn't even occur to me that I would could have been pregnant. I was still breast, exclusively breastfeeding because Indy was only five and a bit months at that point. Um, yeah, I went to the emergency um, to have someone say to me literally in these words, oh, it's just your period, like it's nothing. And I was thinking, it's not my period. Like I'm always, at that time, I think I was like 29, 30. And I was like, I've had a few periods. Like I know it's not my period. Yeah. And the nurse was so beautiful. She was like, let's just do a pregnancy test. Just make sure you're not pregnant. And she called me and she was like, your HCG levels are actually through the roof. So you are pregnant and you're either like quite, far along but we need you to come and have a scan because we don't know if it's obviously a viable pregnancy 
So then I went along to the scan and then I found out it was actually a twin pregnancy to which I almost well, collapsed in a chair. I could not believe that. But then it, it, in it, the way that it turned out, I miscarried. That was what the bleed had been. I'd miscarried one of the twins. But then my pregnancy with Montana, it was pretty. I still ha had a morning sickness that continued the whole way throughout, but it, not the hyperemesis I had with Indy. And it was actually a lot easier. So that was, yeah, it was Monty's pregnancy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What a lot in that short little summary that you just gave it really was yeah. a snapshot but oh my goodness so much um for those listening who heard Alice say HCG that's the I guess the hormone that's released in your body when you are pregnant um then that's basically what tests positive to like a pregnancy test so Alice's were through the roof saying that yeah you are pregnant and what were your thoughts I guess it sort of was a bit of sweet for you like a happy but a sad moment too because you've just been told that you're pregnant and pregnant with twins but you're miscarrying one of the twins and did they say you potentially might lose both of them yeah like to be, it was a lot to process and to be honest the first scan I had there was actually no evidence they they don't actually know I don't think the second twin had actually miscarried at that point because there was two fetal heart rates but I, in the back of my head, obviously being a midwife, you do know, I do feel like I've got a bit more insight into that. And I was like, I knew how heavy the bleed had been. So I was really shocked, but I either thought that I was going to, it was just going to be a miscarriage of the entire pregnancy at that point. So then I went back and had a 12 week scan, which was probably another, it would have only been, I think I had it a bit early. So it might've been another week and a bit later. And at that point, the second twin had completely miscarried, but Monty was just there thriving away in her little sack. So she was fine. But I never really, because I didn't know I was pregnant at all, I almost, I've talked about that with my friends actually, I never really, it's hit me actually probably more, I reckon after all the sleep deprivation of having Monty, I reckon a little bit later, it kind of hit me that I was like, oh, I do not, I, not, I don't feel overwhelming sadness because it was something that I didn't even know, but it's just, I guess, yeah, I was just a bit, yeah, I thought about it more a lot after. Yeah, if you like actually. Imagine if you had two babies right now. Yeah, yeah. But then sometimes I think for me, in my personal own situation, I make the world just work. That yeah. Montana is a beautiful, healthy little thing. And at the end of the day, maybe that's just what was meant to be for me. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, what a shock and a yeah. beautiful surprise at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but probably more of a shock being pregnant after your other like Indy being only five months old. Yeah, yeah, that was. I was very, um, oh, that was. It was quite a shock to the point where Chris and I, we weren't even, yeah, it was a big, it was a big deal actually because I worked, I think deep down we knew that we were, there was no real, we were like I was going to have this baby, but we had quite a lot of plans to like go overseas and it just kind of felt like life with Indy was getting a little bit easier at that point. And because of how hard her pregnancy had been, it was obviously a bit overwhelming, but then it was just, but the way fate works, that pregnancy was a hell of a lot easier than my first. So it was, yeah, it was okay. <laughs> But both oh, times I kind of skipped, yeah, skipped that first trimester. <laughs> so very mm. lucky. <laughs> yeah. And going back to with your first pregnancy with Indy, you touched on how you became quite tachycardic. So, yeah, for people listening, usually when a woman's heart rate sort of creeps up more to like the hundreds, anything above 100, we're like, all right what's going on like we'll do bloods yeah. we might do an ECG so for it to be resting at 
140. <laughs> uh, if Alice went into labor and started laboring, it's a natural, it's the body's natural response to increase the heart rate because you're working harder, that your heart would have just been pushed to its absolute limits. So yeah. can you talk us through that discussion about having to have or being suggested to have a elective cesarean and your feelings I guess being a midwife mm-hmm. you know we get trained in natural birth and I guess that's ultimately we support any type of mode of birth but that's our vision I guess we're always trying to facilitate a woman to achieve a natural vaginal birth did you what were your feelings towards that were you disheartened can you explain a little bit more? Yeah, so obviously we tried to do quite a lot of stuff to kind of fix it because I was so fixated on having a normal birth. I, as you just said, as a midwife, that was something I think even just ever since I knew I wanted, I just value that normal birth experience so much or, you know, that's what we do as midwives, that's your bread and butter, like, and you just get so much. I just I feel so proud of these women and I was excited for that, like the whole labour thing. Um, but as yeah, my pregnancy journey went on, I obviously had a, quite a lot of involvement from like I went and saw um, the cardiologists and stuff, and they were recommending like you just stop doing pretty much everything that you're doing, like not hardly any walking, or if you go for a walk, like not even it can't even be a long walk, like because that's going to lift your heart rate up, um, which was a huge change to my lifestyle as well. Mm. But I found I did find that really hard. I still hadn't. No one really mentioned anything about having to have a Caesar until I reckon it was maybe 32 ish weeks that they brought up the conversation and they were just kind of like look you you know how this is going to go if you go into labor a you're going to have to be monitored the whole time so on the ctg um which again i was like oh it's already not normal but i knew it i knew that what was happening wasn't at that point um and then i reckon it got to 34 weeks and the doctors were just like look the more that we're thinking about this it's just not safe your heart rate we know how hard you work in labor like we're going to be putting you potentially at risk like how high is your heart rate gonna go kind of thing Mm. um and at that point at work as well I noticed that so much particularly on the postnatal ward when I'd be doing education with women I would come out I'm not joking and feel like I'd gone for a run I was like like trying to breathe so deeply and I was thinking oh my god this is just me giving education and talking for a while so that's not a good Mm. sign but I was really upset, if I'm honest, um, when I yeah. said the stuff about the Caesar. I was just so, I remember coming home to my partner, Chris, and just like crying, being like, oh my God, this opportunity, like, I, this is what I do, you know, um, yeah. really upset. But then pretty quickly, I think I just came around to it and I just thought, you know, at the end of the day, I just want, um, as I know so many people say, but I do, I just want my baby to be healthy and in the best position possible like you know starting commencing life and being born and then for me as well I was like it is important that I'm healthy and well so in the end it was fine but it was a really big decision and I did leave but I pushed it quite a lot with them and then yeah we just decided that it's there and it had to be done at 38 weeks as well because my heart rate just went even higher (laughs) towards the end so yeah oh my goodness and I think there is such a pressure from society about having a natural vaginal birth and I've touched on that many times on the potty uh, about like even pain relief but I think being a midwife there's this added pressure too because like you said it's our bread and butter and it's what we're trying to facilitate and we know like what it's like to be a part of like a woman's journey who's birthed her baby vaginally and I'm not saying that 
any other mode of birth is not as important and amazing because it is but this is literally what we get taught in uni and are trying to facilitate every single day like even I I honestly feel that pressure now that I have to have a normal natural vaginal birth and I'm not even close to having a baby (laughs) but like I honestly when I like I feel that in the back of my brain like I'm gonna have to rock this birth whenever I have a baby because like look what I'm doing and how can I be encouraging someone to have a vaginal birth if I don't do it myself you know it's just it's crazy um so those those emotions that you felt are definitely valid and would have been super hard to just you know let you put your control in someone else and and surrender yep exactly and also for I don't know like for anyone else who is a midwife who's had babies I was also just so excited for it to be like the team of midwives I was lucky fortunate enough to give birth at the hospital where I work at and I was just so excited for it to be all my good friends who I just trust so completely do that whereas then my care was really handed over to the doctors who in the end it was such a beautiful experience anyway and I actually ended up knowing with both deliveries of the girls actually I've known the doctors very well so I was really fortunate in that circumstance but that was the other thing I think in my head I was like this is what it's going to be and it was entirely different to that yeah yeah yeah. wow I'm so glad that you had a great experience and I think there was a bit more of a bonus of delivering at the hospital that you work in because I remember (laughs) everyone was waiting for the day and super excited But can you talk us through preparing for that elective cesarean? And, you know, once you get the date, what were you doing and what were your thoughts about, like, what what mindset were you going to adapt? Because I think sometimes knowledge is so powerful, Mm -hmm. um, but we know a lot more than what the average Joe would know in terms of what they would get educated on about having a cesarean. Yeah. Were you feeling a bit apprehensive or were you nervous? What were you feeling um on the day oh honestly I was absolutely my heart rate probably was the highest I've ever been like driving into the hospital because I was so I was actually genuinely really scared not actually funnily enough because of the spinal as midwives we watch epidurals and spinals go in there all the time but my job is just to you know be that person that you're helping someone else with that and then you know all that positive whereas the thought of it being me and it was with Montana particularly, it was actually during COVID. So Chris wasn't actually even allowed in the, um, in the uh, sorry, while I had the spinal, they didn't let him come into the room. Whereas with Indy, I literally fought for that. I was like, he needs to be in there. Like I am absolutely beside myself with this. And then the, that was definitely the, that was what I was most scared about. In terms of the other preparation stuff, um, I just, and that was what I'd say for anyone who is in that position, just have a bit of a read around, you know, like the skin-to-skin contact after birth because if everything's fine, most hospitals should easily be able to facilitate that skin-to-skin. There's not really an excuse for that in my eyes anymore. Um, So that was another thing. And I was lucky enough to have one of my best friends who's just the most beautiful, beautiful midwife too. The delivery of both girls, actually, she was the midwife. So she knew all, I was so lucky in that way. But that's the only thing I'd is, advice for anyone else I'd be like when you go in to have your Caesar that you do have a bit of a chat with your midwife in the morning and any of your kind of you're still allowed to have your birth wish list for a Caesarean there's no difference your baby is going to be born it's your 
you know, if you want music playing, have your music playing. And yeah, we should all work with you to facilitate a really beautiful cesarean birth. And I think since I've had phases, that's the one thing I've realised. I I think it's just naturally, I think because I was so apprehensive about them. Now when I care for these women, I yeah. just, I feel so fortunate to be there. And I just really make an emphasis that no matter what, we're welcoming your new beautiful baby into the world. And no matter how they come out, you as a woman, you have gone through so much to get to that point. And to me, it's all just as amazing as any birth is equally amazing, really. Yeah. It really is. And it's so special. Like I feel like, like you said, you can make it as special as you want. And those basics that we try to facilitate as midwives, like skin to skin, you can do it. Yes, your baby may have to go to the resuscitator to, you know, get quickly checked over, but then yeah. it can be brought to you straight away and you can still have that time and having like the music playing and the, you know, the medical staff, they're, they're still people, they'll still speak to you. Um, and yeah. you can still keep it a nice and quiet and controlled environment. So I'm so glad that you felt that way. Yeah. Um, was Did you have any complications or anything during the cesareans? Um, during the India, I just had a postpartum hemorrhage. Um, after that, I think I lost like 1.2 litres of blood. And I don't really, to be honest, I was non-symptomatic of that. And I had no idea at the time other than they were like, I'm going to hang this in on now. And then I... Don't, I think there was nothing else other than that. But um, that was literally with Indy, that was it. And the minute that she was born, I just remember, I think it was the Anissa just was like, her heart rate's dropping. Her heart rate's dropping about me. And I was sitting there being like, oh, I feel so much better. And I'm not joking, the minute that they pulled her out and that that's what the Anissa just was saying, I was like, I'm back. Like, I feel fine. <laughs> my heart is back. <laughs> yeah, my heart's back. It's not pumping so hard anymore. So, yeah. Yeah. And then with Montana, um, mm. you elected to have a repeat cesarean. I did. I was, uh, to be honest, because there was such a, between the girls, there's 14 and a half months. Ideally, they say to you, even if everything's beautiful and straightforward post the Caesar, that you should wait 18 months before actually becoming pregnant. So I'd really push that a little bit. So the advice at that point was to actually go for a repeat Caesar purely because of the vaginal birth after cesarean might, just with the previous Caesar wound. The doctors really did talk to me about that, which was good. But again, I just I did go for that probably because it meant I could stay at the hospital where I worked to do that birth as well so that was probably a bit yeah. of a reason I chose that again as well yeah yeah and were the feelings different preparing for the welcoming Montana and that second cesarean yeah I was still probably equally as nervous with um Indies that was the only thing I didn't say before and with Indies when they put the spinal in the poor it was like a junior um anaesthetist and he missed the spinal like maybe three times and then they had to call a consultant to come in and do it and so by that point I was thinking oh like oh my goodness like I'm gonna have a you know postural headache yeah. and all this and I was like oh I can't deal um so with Montana's I was just so scared that that same thing was going to happen but in actual fact it all went in beautifully and smoothly but the only thing with Monty that changed things was it was COVID. So all the restrictions were in. And that was the only thing. Preparation for the birth. I mean, that pregnancy went so fast. I still had a little baby that I'd only just finished breastfeeding. I think I had three weeks between finishing breastfeeding Indian, um, giving birth to Montana. So 
I think to be honest, it was a bit of a blur that preparation. But I just I felt I felt pretty overwhelmed, and there was a part of me that actually felt really. I remember the night before I had I was cuddling Indy, and I was like, I just burst into tears, and I was like, I've chosen like this is so mean. Like I've got such a little baby, it's not fair to be having another baby. And then now I look back at that, and I was like, it was literally the nicest thing as parents could have ever done, given them a sibling that close together. So, yeah, yeah. A lot of overwhelming emotions and I feel like so many women experience that bit of guilt in especially in those last few weeks leading up to the birth of their second or third baby because ultimately your whole life is about to change you know that's the very last moment and you had a date which almost makes it worse because you're like I know that tomorrow there's going to be four of us and not three of us like what am I doing? Exactly. And at that time, Indy wasn't allowed, like, because of COVID, she wasn't allowed to go into the hospital. I feel like I sound like a bit of a crazy person, but I was just beside myself with that because I hadn't spent, I don't, no, I hadn't, I hadn't spent one night apart from her since she'd been born. And then I was going to spend potentially three or two, if everything went well, nights away from her. And I was just like, I'm just, yeah, the overwhelming guilt was, it was pretty bad. But then I got over that pretty quickly. Yeah, but so many women I know have felt that exact same way and it's been so hard to be like, I'm sorry, but they can't come in because that's yeah. all they want. Like yeah. that all they want in that period is to introduce their yeah. newborn to their brother or sister. So it's super tough. Um, yeah. Can you talk us through the recovery period? Obviously, also being a midwife, you knew what was to come. You knew like the process of getting up and about. Can you talk us through that? Was it much different being the patient and not the midwife? Um, Do you know what? Being a midwife in that situation, I felt so lucky that I had in my head. That was one of the things I had thought about beforehand. With the cesarean, you can get, well, at the, I think most places are the same. You, we'd like to have you lying down for six hours and then you can get up after that. Obviously, granted, everything's normal. Um, and with Indy and Monty, I was absolutely determined that I was like, I'm not staying in the bed a second longer. I'm going to get up. And both times I literally had my catheter removed straight away at that point, got up, was moving. Um, and if anyone that can, I think it, you know, it's probably a slight difference between an elective and an emergency and everyone's completely different, but because it was an elective and it is a bit slower, it's more controlled and stuff. I, I don't know if my, because I, I honest to God experienced barely any pain after them up and moved and my recovery from both seizures was very easy. Yeah. I was very lucky in that way, actually. So, um, yeah, got up, had the shower at six hours and then, yeah, didn't really have too much pain relief after that either in hospital, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. And we, we like, I feel like lots of women who have cesareans, and I did a cesarean episode, I think two weeks ago or something like that, and I spoke about how we actually would encourage you to get up and get moving because it will make your recovery period so much easier. And I think that's what people don't get. They're like, yes, a cesarean is a massive surgery. Don't get me wrong. Like there is a lot that they have to um, cut through to get the baby out without being too gruesome. Like it's definitely, don't underestimate it. But in terms of your recovery, being able to get up and not have to rely, like if your pain is managed and everyone is so different, being able to get up and pick your baby up, like help move around the bed to breastfeed, get up, go to the toilet. It's just going to be so much easier for you. The longer you stay in bed, I feel like there's this like mental part that women think 
I can't move now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think actually from the body's point of view, I'm pretty sure I'm correct on this. If you stay like lying down for too long, your body already starts to heal. I'm pretty sure like from the inside. So when you do eventually move, you're kind of stretching up things that have already started Mm. to heal. So that was my big thing. I was like, no, like 100% I need to get up. I did probably put quite a lot of pressure on myself, but luckily that actually worked out um, in my favour. Yeah. Yeah, and certainly staying on top of the pain relief. Uh, Alice exactly. was a bit of a, um, <laughs> You probably put your. Oh, I yeah, I think I was just trying to be brave, but and it's like you definitely don't need to be. That's why I always say to women, I'm like, stay on top of it because if it gets, you know, you get to that different point and it um, starts to kick in, it can be harder to bring it back down. So I'm like, take the regular pain relief, stay off you. <laughs> yeah, literally the Panadol, ibuprofen. Yeah. yeah regularly and then you can have your extras but every hospital will be different in terms of your pain management but always I say whenever your pain gets like a four out of ten ask for something something because just like what Alice said it's much harder to catch the pain once it's like peaked then you know keep it plateau um and I feel like when you had Monty, I actually came into your room and visited you because I was lucky to be working. Yes. And you did say that I maybe it was a, it might not have been on the day or the day after, but you were like, it does feel a bit different the second time. Yeah, I actually just remembered you saying that. I had um actually got like an umbilical hernia <laughs> after Monty. And that was, I did have a bit more pain, but it was nowhere near the season when it was up literally at my tummy. And that ended up, sorry to be disgusting to him, but that ended up popping and resolving on its own. So it was like the blood just dispersed. And yeah. I felt honestly a million dollars after that because I was just like, yeah, I did. I thought it was way more painful. But when they all reviewed me, they were like, it's nowhere near the actual <laughs> incision site. So we don't know what that is. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, makes sense. Um, and then once you came home, because mm. you – I'm pretty sure you left the hospital like day two or you were like, this is actually nice being in the hospital and being cared for. <laughs> yeah, that was actually what I did. I actually ended up staying the three nights much to my shock because it suddenly hit me after all my emotions of being like, poor Indy at home, like all this. I was like, this is the only time that I'm actually going to have one-on-one with my new baby, Montana. So I ended up staying the three nights purely just for that bonding time and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's what I want to touch on now is the recovery once you went home. Mm. It would have been very different from having one baby and then being your full focus to now having two and having to care for, I guess, a toddler or quite a young baby and a newborn. Yeah. Can you talk us through that? Like I, 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 a lot of it is a bit of a blur now, but yeah, because Monty, Indy was only, yeah, 14 and a half. So really she was a little, like she wasn't a baby baby and Indy walked really early. So she was, she worked at like 10 months. So she was like hobbling around and stuff. But yeah, that was a lot harder in terms of that recovery because as, even physically, they're like, do not lift your other child up. Well, I would love to be able to talk to other mums about that because I physically couldn't. I was like, I have to pick her up. Like, there were times where that was, you know, impossible not to because she's still so young. Um, that was really challenging, actually. And 
just in terms of like having a, a, a little baby like that and then and breastfeeding a newborn as well which you know I felt like I was just breastfeeding literally around the clock my time I just wish I could have been two in two places at once because it's like you still want to be the you know this best version of the mom that you can be to your toddler and then same with Montana but we just life adapt. I think that everyone who probably has two babies, I think you can probably pick the negatives and positives of a small or a larger age gap in itself. But mm. we did get just get on with it, I guess, in some ways. And I actually found Indy just became such a helpful. Like she was so so helpful, and she'd go and get nappies and wipes and all that stuff, and was very much involved in the care. You trained like, her early. <laughs> yeah, trained her super early. And the, yeah, last night Indy actually said to me, "I said, what are you going to be when you grow up?" And she's like, "I'm going to." deliver babies and I was like oh that's so oh, cute I was like you're literally two so and a half sweet. but maybe she will but um yeah no so that was all it is a bit of a blur if I'm really honest but I'm just trying to think if there was anything else that really yeah <laughs> well I can understand why it's a bit of a blur because you would have had so much going on but it is super hard because we recommend no heavy lifting mm. you know no driving you would have had to been be very reliant on the support around you yeah absolutely the only thing that was different with Monty was that we went into like a really strict lockdown after that so we actually weren't really driving anywhere Indy wasn't there at that point she was at daycare I think twice a week that all stopped so that was a blessing and a curse at the same time because I would have just loved the day to have just had her at daycare and then just be with Montana but um yeah, so the driving bit was kind of eased because of the lockdown, but we didn't get to see anyone either, which I always feel that was really difficult for me, actually. I would have loved just some yeah. extra support at home. Chris, my partner, he was home. Obviously, he was working from home a lot, but he was still working, so that was a bit difficult. But in terms of, yeah, just the, we did. We relied on a lot of people, and we were lucky. Like, people bought us food and all that stuff, which I was so thankful for because I don't think I had a second to even do anything really other than feed and then look after Indy so yeah Yeah. do you have any tips about anyone who might be booked in for an elective cesarean in terms of either you know preparing for the day or the recovery period that my if it is an elective my biggest advice would be if you can get up get up at that six hour point and really push your midwives because I know sometimes we you know depending on the timing of the day as a midwife it gets bumped yeah. a little bit back but I'm like for your recovery I genuinely think that is the best bit of advice and then also just listening to your body like don't like you know if you feel like you can go out and go for a walk definitely do that but the minute it's too much just pull it back a little bit and just listen to your body in that respect and then in terms of preparation before for a second one, I think you just, it's nice in the way that you do feel a bit more organized. I, that was, that was mm. nice, a nice side of it, but just have, you know, talking to people about if you can have that extra support, maybe even pre-organizing, that would be awesome. Just so you can get some sleep during the day. If someone else is looking after the buds and yeah, that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, for sure. And now that hopefully we're out of the, well, on our way out of the pandemic, yeah, that that's yeah. actually possible because, yeah. yeah, not having that support at home for someone just to entertain your little one, exactly. both of them, while yeah. she got some rest. Now, you're back working as a midwife. Mm. Um, when did you go back to work? And I feel like it, the toughest thing for a mum is that transition back to work. And ultimately for you, you fell pregnant 
pretty quickly again. Can you talk yeah. us about your maternity leave and your entitlements and how you dealt with that? Yeah, so with that was a bit of a shock because when I went back to work with Indy, I was pregnant without knowing I was pregnant. And I went back, um, I, I was, yeah, sorry, I went back at literally six months to the day. Just she was, an um, as I've already said, she wasn't planned. So in terms of like the way that everything just worked out, we bought a house and all that. And I really felt like I needed to come back to work. Um, and obviously I also really missed, I know not everyone says that, I really missed working I miss being with women and supporting them and I also just out at, at work obviously it's so many of your girlfriends as well so I miss that social side of it as well so coming back to work it was for me it was really easy I just took my um I took all of my annual leave after I'd had an injury then I took my maternity leave which at that point for me was 10 weeks and then I took the government paid leave as well and then I came straight back to work the minute that that had finished so that was a it's a transition in terms of the organization stuff that was all fine Indy wasn't at daycare yet so my I was very lucky my um, mother mother-in-law not technically yet thanks Chris it'd be nice to propose to me but that's fine um but so his mum helped us out and my mum did as well so the two days I came back I went back at three shifts one week and two shifts so yeah two shifts the following week the mums looked after Indy on the weekdays and then I worked a weekend shift as well so that was really hard in terms of the organisation behind it, but and just being shift work, it was the hospital was fantastic with me. They really gave me kind of set days so that I could work around that. Um, and then yeah, ended up obviously being pregnant. So then I was back at work for I can't remember how long it actually was now. Um, maybe six months. <laughs> like oh. Seven months. And then I obviously um, had to go back on that leave again. And I did all kind of the same stuff all over again in terms of the leave. And um, that was all fine. And I took an extra three weeks off with Monty. So I think I was almost seven months postpartum when I came back to work with her. Um, and again, it's just that I found the thing I still find the hardest is that I don't feel like you know, you go to work and if it's particularly on a weekend shift and my partner's been looking after them, he, I get home and he's like, great, you're home, you do all the girl stuff now. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I've just been at work all day. I just like to mm. sit and breathe for a second. Um, but the girls are at daycare during the week, so that really helps us out a bit as well. But in terms of the transition back, in terms of like the actual work stuff, it just was like finding your feet again a little bit because no matter what, so much changes even in six months yeah. in the hospital system so um and then obviously I hadn't done and like actually facilitated a birth in that amount of time as well so I felt a little bit anxious coming back in that regard um particularly with birth like the rest of it I was I felt fine with but um yeah that would be how I'd say my transition it was pretty smooth as as far as I can yeah have anything to spare it to yeah. And do you know the entitlements that you were allowed? So like for maternity leave, you have to be working at your current employer for 12 months. Yeah, I think um, it's minimum wage is the government one. And I think it's, I think it's 16 weeks of paid leave. But I think you have to be earning under it because I just fell into that category. I was like, fine, but I think you do have to be earning under a certain amount to even be eligible for that which is a bit ridiculous but I think 
that is what it is. And then you get whatever, everyone's different employers would be different. But at our hospital, it was 10 weeks. I think it's now gone up to 14 weeks, which was a bit of a bummer that I missed that. But that's fine. Um, but then, yeah, and then in terms of entitlements when you came back, the one thing, and I again, I think most workplaces would have something. I was really lucky because the girls were only six months, so I was still fully exclusively breastfeeding. Um, the, even they'd only really started solids a month or two before I came back to work. So I was entitled to um, expressing breaks when I was at work. So I used to express twice, it had to express twice a year. Um, and then, yeah, you obviously had lunch on top of that. So that was a really another really welcome, um, you know, entitlement, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you would have been looking after all these babies and your breasts would have started <laughs> I know. Well, the one thing I did <laughs> actually. All these crying <laughs> babies literally. and all the births. You would have been like, so beautiful. And then look yeah, down look and down. your boobs <laughs> are leaking. I actually remember someone was like to me, oh, I think Alice, like, I think you need to go and pump. I was like, what? I just pumped. Like, why are you saying that? And they were like, oh, you're right. Boobs look massive. And I hadn't, with the maternity bras, how they've got the clip. I hadn't done the clip back up. So it was like hanging down really low and it just looked like, I had this one boob that was like a melon and I was like oh god how embarrassing don't know how long I've been walking around like that for but anyway anyway no one would have known but us um (laughs) you have had such an incredible motherhood experience and you honestly sound like you were thriving um (laughs) and I'm glad that your heart has come back down back down to normal thank you (laughs) (laughs) thank goodness and it's just bizarre how the body changes in pregnancy like it's, it's just yeah it is it's actually it is it's a crazy crazy thought that you carry this child but it does it's like for different people it's nothing and for some people it's like yeah and even between my two pregnancies they were so different to each other yeah yeah a hundred percent then to finish off this episode I always finish with mom's fast five so mm. I'm going to fire five questions at you yeah Alice has literally just come off night shift which she didn't tell <laughs> me so you know, she's pulling sentences together, which are making sense. So she's doing a pretty good job. I'm going to put her on the spot here. Um, looking back, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself now that you're a mum? A hundred percent. It would be that things are only a problem or an issue if you think it is. And that was for me in terms of baby, the baby sleeping. I definitely ended up being someone who co-slept and the amount of people that have their opinions on everything. I'm like, you know what? And I used to beat myself up over that being like, this person said it's wrong, this person. But I'm like, in actual fact, if you're happy with what you're doing, who cares what anyone else thinks? Yeah, as long as you're doing it safely. But exactly you're right. Most important, you're the most important person and your baby's the most important person and you just do whatever works for you. Exactly. And what anyone else yeah, thinks. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, it's the same with like breastfeeding. It's the same with everything. I'm like, yeah, so many people said, oh, you're using, the baby's using you as a dummy and that's how they're settling. And I used to like freak out about that. And then I thought, oh, but it's not bothering me. So why, why am I getting, letting that affect me? <laughs> bigger, bigger issues in the world. Exactly right. Love to judge. Number two, something you wish you weren't so hard on yourself for. Probably more so after Monty. I really struggled with, not that I'm not over really seriously overweight or anything, but I've put on a lot of weight post um, having her and I've really struggled with that. I try really hard now to be less hard on myself, but it's you just physically. I've found I don't have the time to spend, you know, exercising and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I'm trying every day to still do this, but just try to remember that you have had a baby, your body's done these amazing things and just let like, let time happen and you'll, Yes, that's what I'd say. I'm like, just not be hard on yourself for the physical <laughs> changes yeah. in your body. 
Yeah. For sure. And it's so hard with like society, with Instagram, Facebook. You know, 100%. there's a lot of there's a lot of good looking unrealistic. Yeah, the bounce, the pregnancy bounce stuff. I was like, why is this not yeah. happening to me? And then I'm like, in actual fact, I'm like, hang on two seconds. Like you just had two babies back to back. Like give yourself a second. <laughs> exactly. Give yourself a second and appreciate you growing two beautiful babies and you're amazing. Exactly. Uh, number three, one thing you wish you knew more about. Now this is going to be interesting because you obviously know a lot about like, pregnancy. Uh-huh. Yes, weirdly enough, the one thing, and I've really carried this forward in my practice, would be um, actually around engorgement after when your milk first comes in, which was actually a big thing that inspired me to want to create this little online brand, the Mini Monster that we were talking about, is that engorgement can last for some people a day. I was engorged for a good three and a half months, and I had absolutely no idea that that was even a thing, even as a midwife. Honestly, I was like beside myself thinking, what have I done here? But that's what I always say to people. They shouldn't be expensive, but the little silicon breast pumps, I just recommend them to absolutely everyone now because I'm like, they really were my best friends just to help with that engorgement rather than using an electric pump, which we know can increase your supply again. So that would definitely be my, my biggest, I didn't know and I wish I did know. <laughs> oh my goodness. Three and yeah. a half months. That is insane. I'm not joking. Three and a half months is absolutely <laughs> very hard. Oh my goodness. Um, one thing you wish someone had told you before becoming a mum? That my, rec- I reckon all I'd say about that stuff is all about sleep deprivation. I really struggled with, um, actually after both girls, just how babies sleep, I knew nothing about it. And then that's, you know, everyone has their tends like true sense to pop in and tell you stuff about that. But we really struggled. And I think sleep deprivation and the effects that it can actually have on you mentally and also even like um, on your relationship as well. Like I just remember I'm really, most of the time I feel like a pretty happy, you know, bubbly kind of person. Honestly, my personality changed so much. And in terms of for other people, if you, I just say you need to make sure you're talking to people because the more that you yeah. can kind of get off your chest and, you know, communicate with people if you're feeling, you know, really tired, like just trying to sleep. It's such a cliche thing. Sleep when your baby sleeps, but genuinely, they're most of the time they're up feeding all night and you do need to get those snippets of sleep during the day just so you can function as a normal human to the best of your ability at that time anyway. Yeah, and you're so right. You need to sometimes put yourself first. Like yeah. As mums, we always put our babies first. But <laughs> yeah. put yourselves equally against yeah. each other because if you don't sleep and if you don't eat, how are you supposed to care for your baby and provide exactly. the best for them? Exactly, exactly. Now, I feel like I already know what your answer to this next <laughs> question is going to be, but what is your favourite motherhood hack? Oh, I don't know what you think I'm going to say. I um, thought you were going to sh- I thought you were going to say the silicon um pump again. <laughs> oh, the pump that that honestly saved my life with my engorgement. But no, I reckon actually my biggest hack is it sounds kind of cruel, but when the girls are such bad sleepers, <laughs> I used to put them in the pram. It sounds so mean actually when I was thinking about it, but <laughs> I was like, please be like bright sun outside. And because, you know, they tell you you really shouldn't put covers over the baby. I'm like, you direct your baby's eyes directly into the sunlight and they have to shut their eyes. And most of the time they actually fell asleep. That would be my biggest hack, to be honest, because I was like, please just. <laughs> oh my god that is too good you know what I feel like I've heard that before but it's just so funny I just imagine you like turning the being like all right where's the yeah, sun literally. we do because <laughs> <Where>? <laughs> the pram we had you could switch the like if this makes sense 
you could lift both chairs and so they could either be facing forward or back, facing backwards. And Chris was like, why do you keep switching it? Like, you shouldn't be lifting things post having a Caesar. And I was like, mate, I need the fun. Like, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> I need to shine direct sunlight in our baby's eyes to force them to sleep. That is too good. I absolutely love it. <laughs> that was a good hack. <laughs> One of the best motherhood hacks I've ever heard. But thank you so much for coming on today. You have been not only a wealth of knowledge in terms of your motherhood and pregnancy experience, but also you've thrown in some of your own midwifery tips. And I'm so grateful for you to come for oh, you coming you. on today um, and for sharing that. I want to say horrible. <laughs> oh, it's my horrible, horrible hack. <laughs> I know. It is a bit horrible. <laughs> it helps. <Yeah. laughs> Tactical, tactical. And you know, what did we say? Put yourself first. Yeah, literally. My kids come back like with eye issues. I'll be like, please, no, I didn't do anything. But no, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. My absolute pleasure. Bye. See ya, bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of MIDI. Your support means the absolute world to me. So if you loved this episode and want to stay up to date with the latest interviews and midwifery education, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. For further information about this episode, please check the show notes below. If you wish to share your pregnancy and motherhood experience, you can get in touch with me by emailing hello at themidisociety.com.au and find us on Instagram at at themidisociety or at Monique underscore Maitland. I cannot wait for you to join me next week. I'll be talking all things flap chat. Was that my hands or my flaps? I'll let you decide. In the meantime, I hope you have an amazing week and remember, you're doing the best you can. Yeah.